Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and he and I are recording this week's show on Thursday, December 1st, 2022. This is our special getting ready to go to the airport edition, isn't it, Drew? It is. When are you, when are you leaving today, Jim? I leave for Orlando so I can take part in the Gingerbread Challenge with Len Testa, 345 today on the ground sometime around 7, and then <laughs> 12 hours later, I need to be at the Contemporary for a live podcast, so no pressure. Though you are headed to the UK on Friday, right? I am. I am uh, going out for the big junket slash world premiere, a little art house film called Avatar, mm-hmm. The Way of Water. Oh, by the way, you saw the story yesterday where supposedly Cameron announced Avatar 6 and 7. I mean, he said if there's a demand, he's got stories for it. Listen, the, the one thing you should never do is try to count him out. That's what Hollywood has has learned over the past however many years. And so... Did you see where the first attempt at a, a screenplay for Avatar 2 got turned into a, a series of graphic novels? I did. I did. I can't wait to read those. I figure it would be good to read them after you see the movie, but I'm very curious about that. Yeah, I'd, same thing here. Not counting James Cameron out because I've already pre-ordered all three off of Amazon, so I'm just fascinated. But at the same time, it's just sort of like, Really? Though I guess George Lucas once upon a time talked about the the nine installments of the Journal of the Wills, and then, did I say nine? I meant six. And then, oh, I sold it to Disney. Hey, it's back to nine. So lots of animation-related news this week. But as always, folks, the news portion of today's show is brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. So an hour before we sat down to record the show, we got huge news out of the the Walt Disney Animation Studios and a brand new Oswald short, right? Yeah, it's for the run-up to the 100th anniversary, which they're kicking off on January 1st. Mm -hmm. And it is directed by our good pal Eric Goldberg and animated by Goldberg, Mark Henn, and Randy Randy Haycock. Randy Haycock, that's right. So this is the same team that did the little short from the Mickey documentary, which we talked about last week. Mickey in um, a minute, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mickey in a minute, yes. And it's yeah, about the I, same length, and oh, yeah. Did you have any inkling this was in the works, or was this... No, I mean, every time I talk to Eric, he's like, well, you know, we're revisiting classic characters, and then mm-hmm. I get, you know, Amy Astley shoots a glance over at, at us, <laughs> and I, we have to shut up, so, I, you know, I didn't know this specifically, so... Okay, no, I, I get that, I do... But you pointed out, I mean, it's available today, right? That, that you can head over to YouTube and watch all one minute and 10 seconds of it. Yeah, and, I, and I'm assuming it'll be on Disney Plus, too, at some point. Okay, okay. This was produced by Dorothy McKim, who did my favorite holiday special, the, uh, Disney's Prep and Landing. Also, she worked on Get a Horse, which I find this short very reminiscent of with the whole trying to get back into the screen gimmick. Well, we'll tell you what, folks, on the second half of today's show, we'll take a look back at the history of Disney and Oswald. Could the Disney company have done what they today, what they did back in 1928? Anyway, getting back to the news, we have started to get not 
just one new Super Mario Brothers movie trailer, but we're getting, well, well, we got the one from, from Holland. We've got a bunch of TV commercials. What are you thinking of what you're seeing here? Well, I mean, the big thing is that the big new theatrical trailer that I'm sure will be attached to Puss in Boots. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really great. I mean, I think mm-hmm. the animation looks really fun. There's so mm-hmm. many Easter eggs for mm-hmm. Super Mario Brothers fans. I was pretty impressed. I don't know how you felt about it. I'm not a gamer, but my daughter is very passionate. I mean, I, I know enough to, you know, I mean, for example, I don't know if you've seen this TV commercial from Holland and you see Mario trying to get the handle of working the pipes for the first time. What was so fascinating was to watch people get so excited about that brief clip that showed the Mario Kart section of the movie where they're they're racing on the Rainbow Road and only the Zapruder film has been studied as closely as that one frame of that whole group of racers behind Mario. And it's like, ooh, there's Funky Kong, you know, there's, there's Cranky Kong. And it's like, I had no idea there were that many dwarves. But what did you make of the, the people who were upset about Princess Peach not being a damsel in distress? That is very weird. I didn't see that, Jim, but I I thought her new the new version of her character in that trailer was pretty cool. So I agree. I agree. And I'm excited because it's it's made by two of the people behind uh, one of my favorite DC movies, mm-hmm. Teen Titans Go to the Movies. So yeah. I am just so excited about that aspect because I, I think they are very talented. I think this movie will be very funny and very fun. With that pedigree, that's another reason I am looking forward. To March 10th, 2023, which, have we talked about this before, how, how they picked the release date? Because if you abbreviate March and then you put the date 10 or the number 10 next to it, it looks like Mario. Yeah, it's Mario Day, Jim. I mean, this is this has been going on for years. Dude. I don't know where you've been, what Mushroom Kingdom you've been living in. Yeah, well, but, yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I, I, I spent a lot of time in the basement. Still trying to master Pong. <laughs> Uh, moving on to another trailer that just dropped a day or so ago. It has been nine years since the last Night at the Museum movie. Then, of course, Disney buys Fox in March of 2019. A company still looking to recover some of that investment, which is why we're now getting an animated sequel to that series, Night at the Museum. Kamura Rises Again, which is supposed to debut on Disney Plus next week on December 9th. What did you think of this trailer, Drew? Well, I mean, last week we said, where is this trailer? So I feel Mm -hmm. like we're at least partially responsible for (laughs) materializing it. Also, Mm -hmm. as far as I know, this is going to be the new kind of marketing strategy going forward on some of this Disney Plus stuff, which is you don't hype it endlessly. You put a trailer out a week before and you hope people show up to the service. So, yeah, this is a preview of things to come. I thought the animation looked generally pretty crummy. It's that Mm -hmm. kind of like pseudo 2d mm-hmm. computerized stuff and uh, none of the actors came back i'm not too uh too hopeful for this one but how do you feel jim well i actually thought it had some funny writing and overall premise of this project is larry daly the character that ben stiller played in the three live action night of the museum movies Needs to stop being the night watchman at the American Museum of Natural History for the summer. So uh, Larry persuades his son, Nick, who's now grown to a not confident 
young adult. Uh, so Nick is going to fill in for Larry while he's gone for the summer. And so the reason that Larry has picked Nick is because Nick is in on the museum secret that after the sun goes down every day, all of the exhibits in the building come to life. And so in theory, it should be an easy gig. But as the movie subtitle suggests, trouble arises when Ka Moon Run rises again. And you're right, none of the voices come back, but on the other hand, we did get to see familiar faces from the live-action Night at the Museum film franchise, Jebediah the Cowboy, Octavius the Roman Soldier, and First People's Legend, Sacagawea, likewise the puppy-like T-Rex, the Easter Island statue that likes bubblegum, and the cavemen. Anytime you can make a gag that goes from a caveman discovering fire to Joan of Arc commenting on that with some dread... I'm in. I mean, that's kind of a fun gag. I don't know if there will be anything that funny in the rest of this thing that's going on Disney Plus on the 9th, but that I'm in for. Okay, moving on now. We just got word that the BAFTAs, the awards for children and young people, that got suspended for three years. Did you see where they just awarded Wolfwalkers the best animated feature uh, with their first award ceremony since June of 2019? No, but I am the more love for Wolfwalkers, the better, I say. Oh, no, no, I agree. The folks at Cartoon Saloon do amazing work. The way the folks at the BAFTAs explained this is that we didn't do an award show from June of 2019 till just this past summer, and we felt like it was only fair that all of the films that hadn't been considered for awards be lumped into this one big catch-all show. And anything that puts Wolfwalkers on people's radar, you know, they, they see that it's won an award and maybe circle back on it. I mean, it's, it's still an amazing film. Speaking of, wait, did you, wait a minute, did you watch Strange World? <laughs> no. Ah, Jim. I know, I know, but it's been a crazy week getting ready out ahead of the gingerbread challenge thing. And as I was just explaining to Drew, our furnace decided, you know, this would be a perfect day to lay down and die. Anyway, uh, speaking of movies and movie theaters, James Gunn, director, of course, of the Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy, soon to become the new co-head of DC Films over at Warner's, was talking about how he envisioned all of the DC-related movies, TV shows, and animated films will all sync up. Well, how exactly is that going to work? What with Matt Reeves' Batman movie series, which don't they have like a Penguin spinoff being prepped? Yeah, that's, yeah, the Penguin one is live action, but yeah, the, what was it called? I think it was called Cape Crusader. Mm-hmm. The the one that was more, more Batman the Animated Series than that's Batman right. the Animated Series. That's right. Yeah. Now, weren't they shopping that around? Isn't there any word on... You know, yeah, I think it's... word is starting to get out that it is going to Amazon. Oh! But the other big question, Jim, that we haven't talked about yet since this all happened mm-hmm. is we have to remember that Ron and John were prepping a Metal Men movie. Yeah. And I haven't heard one peep about that. Yeah. Um, that is concerning. Yeah. That's a DC property. And when they first cut that deal, that was really trumpeted because, you know, these are... These are the hit makers who did Disney's Mermaid and Aladdin and Hercules. And so uh, can't wait to see this. Yeah. 
And you know that Metalman is just the kind of offbeat character that James Gunn is like, ooh, I can't wait to do something with them. Uh, I hope so. I hope so. But at the same time, you think about Todd Phillips' Joker movie, which which we've got the sequel coming in 2024 with Lady Gaga as Harley Quinn, right? And, and this one's a musical? Yeah. Yeah, bring it on. One of the other things James Gunn has said is like, I actually have to finish Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 over at Disney. So until that's done and that makes it all the way through post, I'm really not... 100% focused on Warner's, though, as I understand it, they are having team meetings, charrettes, executive retreats, that sort of thing, to try to get a sense of a direction. In fact, Gunn just put up a piece of art that, that had sort of this confluence of Marvel characters all, you know, intently leaning over a table talking. DC characters, Jim. DC, DC characters. Car- DC yes. characters. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've been trained for years to say James Gunn Marvel, and it's just, all right, I'll be in the basement getting electric shock therapy until I get this right. So anyway, folks, that pretty much covers the the news from this week. And when we get back, Drew and I are going to take a closer look at the history of Disney and Oswald. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com tech. It's called Oswald Returns. Is the, is that the name of the short? The the little thing that, uh, that I don't know what it's called. Let me look. You keep talking. I'll look it up. Okay, Eric and uh, Mark and Randy worked on, and as I mentioned earlier, it shares some ideas with the other short that Dorothy McKim produced for Disney, Get a Horse, or which debuted in Annexy back in uh, June of 2013 in fact isn't there just a quick cameo of oswald in get a horse i mean i think there is yeah yeah so the creation of oswald the lucky rabbit was not a tale of artistic inspiration it was it was business necessity if we jump back to 1927 walt and Works at this point have pretty much done everything they can do with the Alice comedies, which, remember, were really inspired by, or or can we be honest here and call them a direct steal from the Out of the Inkwell series that Max Fleischer did? I mean, Walt... Let's call them a blatant ripoff, Jim. There we go. Thank you. Okay. Because, face it, it's just taking the gag and reversing it, whereas, you know, what Max Fleischer did with... Out of the inkwell was he had, you know, Coco the Clown come out into the real world and interact with things. And in the case of the Alice comedies, it was taking a little girl having her perform in front of a bedsheet and then creating animated, you know, moments around her. They're expensive to make. There's only so much you can do with this gimmick. And so the films had kind of run their course. And this is the series that Margaret Winkler had underwritten. Anyway, about the same time, Charles Mintz, who's Margaret Winkler's business partner, he gets wind that Universal Pictures has decided that it wants to get into the the animated short business. So Mintz goes to Walt and says, come up with a new character. And so he goes off, confers with Abai Works, and they decide to go 
with a rabbit character. And again, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Mintz goes to Universal, lands a 26-film contract. So the idea is that for a full year, every two weeks, there would be a brand new Oswald the Lucky Rabbit cartoon. And so they begin work immediately. In fact, in order to meet this order, Disney actually has to move out of his first studio setup in L.A., the one over on Kingswell Avenue, and then takes his handful of animators with him over to Hyperion, which is where the very first really for real Disney studio is set up. So they're chugging along, and Walt's delivering these things on time. And in the spring of 1928, Walt gets on a train, drives out to New York. Uh, he's ostensibly going to deliver the 23rd cartoon in the series, Tall Timber. And But at the same time, you know, it's like, look, I've held up my end. You know, I'm looking for a raise for myself and my men. And Walt is floored when he arrives in New York. And Charles Mintz says, not only are you not getting a raise, we're cutting the production budget, the money we're going to spend on the Oswald cartoons by 20%. And you really don't have a choice in this matter because I've gone behind your back and signed all of your animators, except of iWorks, that they work for me, not you now. So you need to sign this brand new contract and Walt box. And so Charles says, fine, you know, you now have to deliver your last three films. I'm going to take the animators I hired away from you and set up my own Oswald the Lucky Rabbit studio. First of all, do you buy the came up with the character on the train ride home story? Well, I mean, that's certainly the one that has been repeated most often. But <laughs> I'm not sure how are you going to tell me that that is a is a bit of corporate uh, fairy tale storytelling, Jim? Leslie Iwerks has, has written a, a couple of wonderful books and, and done a documentary uh, about her grandfather uh, of Iwerks. From her side of the street, this was a thing of Walt coming back and we need something. And Ub, who was the animator on Mickey, the story of a mouse, the documentary that's running on Disney Plus right now. Uh, Eric Goldberg shares the story about how at his peak of iWorks was able to turn out 700 animation drawings a day. And the fact that Eric looks stunned that anybody could do that, and Eric is one of the greatest living animators of our age, that speaks volumes. And I feel like Walt got off the train and we need something, and it was Ub that came up with the idea, not Walt. You know, again, depending on which version, and Walt's on the train and he sees a mouse, and oh, that's that inspires me. And But here's the thing. They can't do anything officially till they deliver the last three Oswalds, which were, uh, one was called High Up, another one was called Hot Dog, and then the final one of the 26 that they were contracted to was called The Skyscraper. So that's what they do during the day. And then when all of the other animators went, it went home, Ub would continue to work on the prototype Mickey Mouse short, Plain Crazy. They get it done in secret, and they then take it and show it in secret to an executive at MGM who goes, meh, you know, no, I mean, it's, it's cute, but there's nothing there. That's in May of 1928. Now, now, mind you, they don't deliver the last Oswald short till, I want to say, September 2nd of 1928. So we're still five months out from finishing the contract. But here's Walt and Ub sort of working in secret. So the first 
Mickey Mouse short doesn't connect, so they, they work on the second one, Galloping Gauchos. And same thing. They do a test screening, a test screening that's really for real in secret, like Animal House double secret probation secret, because the word can't get back to Mitz, they can't the other animators can't find out. And when they deliver the last cartoon, this is when they begin, all right, well, what could make this stand out for the crowd? And they begin looking at synchronized sound. And, and everybody knows the story about Steamboat Willie and synchronized sound. But about this same time, Charles Mintz is getting his version of the Oswald Studio up and running. And he taps Walter Lance, the gentleman we now associate most closely with Woody Woodpecker, but he worked for years for, for Universal Pictures as their sort of animation superstar. So he begins working on the very first produced by Mintz for Universal Oswald, which is called Mississippi Mud. And Walt was still under contract to Mintz while he was working on Mickey Mouse with Up. And these days, when you work at Disney, when you sign up to work for Walt Disney Animation Studios, isn't there something to the effect of what you create becomes the intellectual property of the Walt Disney Company? Oh, yes, Jim. Okay. Oh, yes. Could this same thing have happened if we jumped ahead 90 years or thereabouts? In today's world, would a, would a Walt Disney, while having to, you know, under contract to deliver the last three uh, Oswald cartoons, could he have created a Mickey Mouse without Charles Minson raising his hands like, wait a minute, you're still under contract to us. That's our character. Because, again, if you, you think back to what it took for Disney to finally get back Oswald, that deal in 2003 where they traded the sports announcer who was working for ABC at that time. What is it? NBC had just gotten the rights to Monday Night Football again, and they wanted this announcer to be part of their Monday Night Football. And they told Disney, what it will take to, to I, I want to say Al Michaels, uh, to yep. get him, get him yep. back. And Iger goes off, confers with, says, tell you what, you give us Oswald the Lucky Rabbit and all of the cartoons that are associated with him, and you're going to have Al Michaels. And I remember Al Michaels not being entirely too happy that I got traded for a cartoon rabbit. Yeah, didn't he say something like, this is this will be a trivial pursuit question? And There we go. The end of there time we go. Yeah. And Dave Bossert, by the way, has written a wonderful book about Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, and, and particularly the search for all of the missing shorts, because things got muddy there for a while. I mean, for example, there's a number of shorts that Walt directed that were reissued by Universal, but they'd gone back in after the fact and added synchronized sound. So it was one of these things where it's like, yes, that's a Walt Disney-directed cartoon, but it has a, a weird copyright with Universal because they went back in and created it in a synchronized sound soundtrack for it. So it's been interesting watching... Disney trying to figure out what to do with Oswald, how to make the most of this character. We, of course, got the epic Mickey games. And have you seen the the Oswald walk around at the parks? Yeah, well, he's, you know, he's in that weird section of California Adventure where he's like an auto mechanic or something for yeah. some reason. Yeah. But, you know, when I was at Disney, they had this proof of concept for a, an Oswald show that was sort of CGI and was being developed by a team at Consumer Products. And mm -hmm. 
I don't know what happened with it, but I mean, literally, we would be shown this thing all the time, and apparently, it had been around for years, and I don't know what happened to it. So, I mean, there there is some desire to do something with the character. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I feel like he pops up in the Paul Reddish shorts every once in a while, but he does, he yeah. does, and I can't help but look at the success of the Cuphead series. And kind of hope if somebody dropped Oswald into that space, doing something that really celebrated rubber hose animation, that that there's a show there. Didn't Frank Welker wind up doing the voice of Oswald for Epic uh, Mickey? I believe so, yes. Okay, so he has a voice, you know. Well, circle back on this one minute and ten second long Oswald Returns, uh, because... I feel like, you know, again, only an Eric Goldberg who who loves animation, you know, history as much as he loves the art itself. And I love just the look of this, the bad film sock, the scratches, the flickering of the projection bulb. They get all the details right. So I hope that this isn't a one-off. You know, I mean, I realize this is Disney getting ready for its 100 Years of Wonder, which gets underway on, on January 1st of next year. But it would be nice to, to see Oswald get a little more love. So. Speaking of getting some love, it's been nice seeing over the last couple of days or so on the site formerly known as Twitter. I've been seeing a lot of love out there for your Light the Fuse podcast. People talking about, you know, in fact, I forget the tile that came up that said somebody had spent close to, what, 110 hours listening to your podcast. Which I thought was kind of cool. I pity them. I pity them. Yeah, they were coming. It was coming up on their Spotify Wrapped for the year, mm-hmm. so it was very nice to see that people are listening. Mm-hmm. And we've got some really great shows to close out the year. We're doing a, a special couple of episodes about Jack Reacher for its mm-hmm. 10th anniversary. Oh, um, okay. So it'll be fun. Beyond that, Drew, where are we on social media these days? We're still, I guess, on Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. I mean. Go for yeah. it. Try, see if I'm there at this time when you're li- yeah. listening to this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Drew Taylor, like a tailored shirt, and then also mm-hmm. on Instagram at the same handle. What about you, Jim? Where can people find you? I am still on the Twitter, but I, I do feel like that cartoon of the little dog sitting at the the kitchen table with the room on fire around him. It's like, this is fine. But yes, uh, on Twitter and Instagram is Jim Hill Media, and over on Facebook is Jim Hill Media News. And, That's going to do it for this week, folks. But when Drew gets back from the UK, we'll get a new show in the works.